Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, we have another gun gripe episode for you. All right. You might notice a little bit different of a format what you're used to uh, seeing. We're going to steal a little bit of uh, the format we use in our Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast, and hopefully you guys will like uh, a little bit of a change of pace. So we're going to get into today's gun gripe. We're going to be talking about Safe Safe Queens. queens. (laughs) (laughs) This is is something we've definitely gone down the rabbit hole on a couple of times, but we never really did a a full-on episode related just to Safe Queens. And uh, I know you've probably got some random stories, <laughs> man. It's it's funny, but all right. So I I wanted to make a little joke before we got started about this whole situation that we're in, like right now. Some of you guys out there, you know, they always say, "I thought you guys were sitting down, but you're standing up." Oh my god! Now we are sitting down. We are sitting down. So now. now we have to instill the comments like, I thought you guys were standing up. We're going to go through this cycle again, but it's just going to be the complete opposite. So, that's right. But anyways. That's right. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit podcast, make sure you check it out. Um, we're putting in you know, a lot of great effort. We've had some good guest spots and stuff. Uh, Matt, the owner of Ballistic Inc., is my co-host on that particular podcast. And each week we go into a conversation for about an hour on all different types of random stuff. Everything from 2A uh, 1A, freedom of speech, um, you know, life in general, business. Um, you know, we do fight or flight, which is um, a series where we will test out a random sampling of different you know, alcohol, food, peppers, sweets. I mean, any number of random things you could ever think of. We'll, we'll give it a shot there on the uh, podcast. So check it out. We post that each week, every Saturday. Uh, so check out our LLP podcast. Oh, shameless plug there for the podcast. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, like, the the whole idea of this gripe came around because all right I'll just give a little backstory so on Instagram I try to I try to connect with fans because I always get questions about you know ARs guns in general reloading annealing but you post something you're gonna have a slew of questions that comes out right but every now and again you've got these people that send you memes and just want to like talk to you. All the time. And I had to tell a guy recently, and I'm not trying to call him out. I'm not going to mention his handle or name or anything, but he's probably going to watch this and be like, I don't like what you did. But a constant, <laughs> like, like just badgering of just random things like, hey, this is what I got. This is really cool. I'm not only into guns. I'm into all this other stuff, too. Like, that's cool, but I don't have time to, like, literally be your friend. I don't – I hate saying it like that, but I just don't. I've got – you know, family, I've got work at home, I've got a house to manage, a household, all this editing, everything else going on, there's literally no time. Gun questions, I don't mind answering them. But this question came through the other day, and it was a picture of like 1911, like a nice 1911, right? And there was a little scuff on the rail, the pick rail on the bottom of the gun. And my flashlight's wearing the paint, the, the, the paint off. Uh, what should I do? I'm like, Nothing. Nothing. What do you mean? It's do you use it as a tool or do you, is it a safe queen? Yeah. You know, like people complain about the most fickle little things. These guns have, you know, Cerakote jobs on them. It's a paint. It's a high quality paint. Very durable, but it's meant to be used as a tool, okay? If you're going to carry it on a regular basis, you have to expect at some point that there's going to be some amount of finish wear and you've got to get over it. 
This is a real gripe. Look, man. I mean, so our buddy Fred. All right, he's the kind of guy that he'll go and buy crazy Fred. Yeah, or yeah. White Fred. No, no, Fred. Crazy Fred. Crazy Fred. Okay. Our Fred. But right. well, so Fred will buy a gun and and take it out of the case and like throw it out in the parking lot and scuff it up immediately. <laughs> That way one, one, time, one time I saw Fred do that, and I'm like, so what's your thinking there, Fred? He's like, well, if it's already scuffed up, I ain't got to worry about it. It's, just, <laughs> it's already going to get a little battle damage on it, and you know what? If it's got some little scuffs, oh, well, it's a carry gun. That's what it's for. Now, that might be taken a little bit to the extreme. All right, so how would we try to, let's just say, empathize a little bit, or sympathize, rather, with, with all right, someone's view of, all right, I don't want my precious gun messed up. I mean, look, there is a such thing as safe queens, all right? But but there are definitely different levels of that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we're talking, you know, and and a milserp rifle that's extremely rare, like okay, say you have a Mexican uh, Mondragon rifle yeah. or something, or you've got a mint condition SVD that's like I'm talking cherry baby, like in real good shape. Okay, is that your range toy? Probably not. Like. It gets to a point where a firearm becomes more than just a firearm, right? Like something that's super collectible or super rare, or maybe it's got a lot of sentimental value. Sure. Okay, you probably don't want to field that gun. You don't want to take... Okay, like I I saw, for instance, all right, um, it was a Julia's... It was either Julia's or one of the the higher-end firearms auctions some years ago had actually gotten from Ernest Hemingway's estate one of Ernest Hemingway's double rifles. And of course, you know, the case has Ernest Hemingway's name on it and the the cap on the stock says E. Hemingway. And it's like, holy yeah. crap. Like, that's cool. Like, who who owns Ernest Hemingway's double? Like, how cool is that? Now, if I own that double, w- would I take that thing out and, and, and use it? I would feel obligated to. Because that's what Ernest would want. Like, he was a sportsman. He liked to hunt big game. That that very rifle might have been what he used to take some of his large game. So, yeah, you'd want to use it, but does that mean that you want to abuse it and scuff it up? I mean, so there is a time when, yeah, certain guns are, like, of such a quality or reverence that you have for it or a rarity that it's like, okay, you know, like, if I've got a brand new in-the-transit crate uh, you know, number five Mark II Irish contract or something. You know, like the the really cherry Irish contract infield. All right, is, is that safe to say that if that thing's in the storage grease and the original, you know, transit crate and all of that stuff, that okay, if I've got four or five infields, okay, maybe my little beat up number four Mark II with some nice peep sights. Yeah, maybe we'll shoot that gun a little more and 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 leave the Irish one to, to kind of mellow a little. See, I've got a I've got a solution for you on that. What you do is you buy two, you shoot one, and you leave one in the wrap, right? But I mean, obviously, not everybody can do that. But we're talking like brand new mill service. All right, now would I take a meteorite Cabot nineteen eleven or some crazy gun like that? And would I take it out and shoot it on a regular basis? No, that that gun's like literally a work of art and it's a collectible at that point that goes from being a tool to being a work of art and being something that you just like put up revere invest in. Right. But you're right. So let's, let's think about this. All right. So when, at at what point does a gun, okay. A firearm, which is, I mean, let's face it. I mean, they're tools, they are weapons, right? A lot of times it will carry them for self-defense. 
what point do they become a tool as opposed to something that you just want to keep in the safe? Like, what what guns do you have in the safe that you choose to use as tools for life and liberty? Like, I have some various ARs that I, I use on different occasions, depending on if I'm traveling or something like that. If I've got, you know, one that just sits by the bed or whatever that goes around and just roughs around in the truck, it literally never goes in a case. I mean, the thing just gets set in the vehicle or, you know, <laughs> set in set in, uh, in in the back, you know, hatch or whatever in a little hidden compartment, that sort of thing. It's never in a case because that's one more step that you've got to take to be able to access that tool if the, the situation deems necessary. But like a firearm, okay, if I'm carrying a gun for self-defense with a light on or something. And am I going to, am I going to really be worried about a little scuff on it? Why would I take that light off? I don't need to take the light off to see the scuff. I mean, that's just, it's maybe I'm just thinking about the wrong way, but all right, look, I've got a, all right. I have one example of a safe queen that I have, and it's one that I don't shoot very often at all. It's a collectible gun. All right. It's an old pre 68 Browning ATD, you know, the real cherry one, the real cherry one that I got from Michelle a while back. Um, this gun was like literally brand new. And if you guys know the Browning ATDs, a lot of them, a lot of them will have, broken extractors or broken um yeah broken extractors and such on there from people not taking the bolt and relieving a little bit of you know uh tension and getting it off of the face of the bolt and then turning the barrels off they're they're an automatic takedown browning old old school 22s they feed through the buttstock and a lot of times you can find these guns and they're just ratty as all get out and it's very very hard to find one that's in real pristine shape but the one you got is in cherry shape. That that gun is like it's a collectible, it's an investment. Yeah, we still haven't done a video on it. We've talked about it, but I'll take it out and do a video on it, and then clean it up real good, oil it back, and put it back in the safe. But when I go to the range with it, it's going to be in a case. It's going to be in a gun sock. It's going to be cared for, you know, in transit there while on the range, and then back because that gun to me is not necessarily a tool. I'm not going to take it out. And shoot squirrels with it. I'm not going to hunt with it. I have other guns that are way more, you know, ideal for that type of situation. So that gun, yes, that's a safe queen. Some of my, you know, more uh, collectible mill serps, those are kind of safe queens, right? I've got like maybe one example of like a K31, one example of an uh, Fin 30 M39 that I take out and shoot. The other ones just kind of stay there, and they're just accruing in value, but. I, I think it's just asinine for folks, and there's a lot of them in the gun community, to be so worried and concerned about tiny little scuffs on guns. We know people that will sell guns or they'll trade them. If they get one tiny little scratch on them or something, it's like, oh, I got to get rid of it. I, 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 you know, it's like they, they get this anxiety attack over it. And it's just insane to me that people are that concerned over tiny little superficial issues like that. When you look at the whole picture, right? Yeah, you know, you're absolutely I mean, correct. It, it and it it brings me back to the early days of us going out to the farm and shooting rifles and things together. <laughs> Guilty. And I and I remember, okay, <laughs> that we would go out and shoot, and what would we instantly always do? We would we would go back to the garage and disassemble every single gun down to the smallest piece and clean every little crack and crevice and clean every little, you know, all the bore and everything. And those guns would be like pristinely clean every single time we went to the range. Now, fast forward to now, and it's like, 
<laughs> I have to, sometimes I'll, I'll crack open an AR and I'll go, whoa, <laughs> girl, you looking a little skanky up in there. I think it's time for a bath, babe. And then, yep. you know, yeah, and I'll give my girls a bubble bath. I'll take them apart and put them in the freaking ultrasonic. I ain't scrubbing it. So, like, crap, n- you kidding me? Now, <laughs> like, nowadays, it's like you, you, you kind of have a, a much better idea of how long something can go without being cleaned yes. versus, you know, when you're a kid and you think, oh, you got to clean it every time, oh, you know? Um, that's a good practice. Don't it, get me wrong. Is. You should and take look, care of your stuff. New gun owners, I could see they want to keep they want to keep their stuff nice, but the older you get, the more guns you buy. At some point, you don't clean things until they don't work anymore. In some cases, but if it is if it is something that's like for life and liberty and such, I do routine maintenance on those guns. Oh yeah, you know the military surplus stuff, the safe queens. Every time those things get put in the safe, they get cleaned up or if they're ever shot or whatever they get cleaned up real well oiled put back in the safe in like protective sock or whatever yeah and that's not a gun that you're necessarily going to take out all the time so it's it's you know like you earlier you were talking about m39s and um you know when we went up to classic when they had all those m39s we were lucky enough you know ben and pete and um the whole group of guys up there they were super super cool and they let us go through and pick out some great guns and my favorite M39 is a Civil Guard straight stock M39 with all the Civil Guard markings. And it's got the correct sling on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's probably a little more rare than your average M39, but I like the straight stock. Mm-hmm. Because Simon Haya used some variant of an M27, and, it, and, that, and he preferred the straight stock instead of the pistol grip on the M39. And I always thought it was so cool to have the M39 with the straight stock and the Civil Guard serial number range. And that's always just been my go-to M39. And sure enough, that gun pits the ace. It is such a fun shooter. And yeah, do I have a whole bunch of M39s? I do. Do I shoot them all? I don't. I only shoot a couple of them. So it's okay to just be like, hey, all right, this is my shooter. Now, granted, it's a considerably nice rifle, mm-hmm. but you know what? I mean, when in Rome, right? Like, yeah. it's made to be enjoyed. Like, it's such a great gun. And think if I was like, well, that gun's too nice to shoot, or it's too rare, or it's got this transitional stock. You know what? Who cares? At the end of the day, it's a tool. It's a gun. I mean, yeah, I'm going to take care of it and not abuse it, but I shoot it, and I mm. enjoy it. And it brings me happiness to go out and see that old war horse like, still delivering the goods. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a great feeling. Um, I've got that 2830 that you and I fought over that one day. That's got the straight stock on it, too. Um, I, I prefer the straight stocks I like on those, those like M39s, man. They're really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of other guns that... Well, well, you said something earlier I want to I reiterate yeah, yeah. on. Go okay, ahead. so earlier when you are talking about, well, all right, what ha- what designates like your average everyday gun as this, this thing you're going to lift up on high as some art piece versus a daily driver? Well, I mean, I guess the thing would be like, you don't, you don't buy a Honda Civic, right? And then you get a little tiny scuff or a little tiny scratch and go, all right, that's it. All right, I got to find a body shop to get my Honda Civic repainted because I got a scuff on it. If you have children who damage your vehicles on a regular basis, you might consider that. Well, but the point is, though, is is that, you, you know, if you buy a Honda Civic, you know what you're buying and you know the very specific purpose that you're buying that car for, right? It is to get you from point A to point B. So I think guns... Sort of get treated in the same environment, right? Where it's like, okay, I bought a Glock 19 or something and put a flashlight on it and then carried it for six months. And then, oh, I'm upset because there's some wear marks on the finish. Well, duh. Of course. 
Do you expect to buy a new car and then the tires never get the slightest amount of wear? Like, yeah, things wear out. Like a finish is there for a purpose. And, you know, yes, a finish is a finite thing. Like it will eventually wear. Even the most robust of finishes will eventually exhibit some form of wear. It's just, that's reality. So now, now when I go to the dealership and say, I want me one of them Honda Civics, but I want it gold plated. And if that gold plating gets the smallest scratch, I'm going to bring it back because well, it ain't no good. There are people that gold plate AKs. Oh, well, hey, I'm just kidding. Hey, hey, hey don't look, crucify me. I'm just look, kidding. It's cool. It's cool. But I'm just, the, I'm just I guess kidding. the point is, is that there, there is a very specific thing that can come along with every certain need that someone might have. Right. So. Yeah, there's the crowd of people that are going to buy their daily driver, but they might also have the sports car that they only take out on the weekends when they want to be cool and look look nice and and maybe take their but you said wife out or whatever. All right, look know? though, you just said something that is the exact point. They take it out, right? Right. They take it out. So well, whoever owns a Cabot made out of a meteorite, yeah, they might take it out and be like, hey, you know, they know someone someone as a gun person is visiting them and they go. Hey, I bet I got something you would like to see. And the, then they go, the, the equivalent. Go, wow. Yeah. Like, the, the equivalent there, of taking know? taking the sports car out on the weekend is taking your gun to the range and actually shooting and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if you're accepting the risks of doing that, and if you get a little scuff on your gun, uh-huh. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's still a tool. But you've got to distinguish what's a safe queen and what's not. The two lines don't cross. You you can't intertwine those two things. I agree. And that's the big that's the big point that I want to make in this video. Like you've got tools. Ultimately, all firearms are tools because they all do the same thing, right? They send projectiles at high velocity with extreme prejudice. Sometimes at your low enemies. Velocities. <laughs> at your enemies, right? I mean, people that would want to do you harm. But you have to you have to be a, a a logical and reasonable gun owner and differentiate between these two sides of the coin here. Yeah. Okay. Well, There's, at I the mean, end of the day, however, though, I, I think it's important to reiterate this. Do what makes you happy. Do what you look. look you if, do if you. If you want to own a safe full of cabots uh, and never shoot them, that is completely your right. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I would never say, you know, don't do that. But also have a very concise and unique expectation that if a gun you're buying is an everyday tool, you know, your your favorite axe isn't going to not get scratched up eventually or break a handle or need to be sharpened, right? So that's the same type of thing. Um, all right, a great example, and this isn't related to guns, but it is related to something that's important to me is music, right? So I was on the waiting list for a long time to get a Wide Sky P125 from Patch. All right, Wide Sky. And I was on the waiting list, and finally, my name came up. I was so excited. Paid off the rest of my deposit, got my guitar in, opened up the case, and it's like, oh, man, there she is. It's like, I mean, it's such a nice guitar. And they have these beautiful flame maple tops that Patch uses. Shameless plug for Patch. But they're really nice guitars. And I remember the first time I changed the strings on the guitar, I was going to cut the... uh, cut the string off the, you know, when you have the extra string poking out, you'll, you'll snip it off. And I accidentally scratched a little tiny portion on the headstock, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm bum footed and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cumbersome sometimes. And yeah, I got a little scratch on the headstock. Now, am I going to go, Oh my God, 
my wide sky has a scratch on it. No. You ought to see the back of the guitar from my belt. Like, it's, it, you know what I mean? Look, it's a tool. The man makes these guitars to be played. Yeah, they're high end. Yeah, they cost a bit of money. But at the end of the day, they are rugged and capable instruments that are meant to be used. So, I mean, it's just like that that bass you bought from mm-hmm. uh, from my, uh, the, my that Tobias, right? It's the same type of thing. Like you can get something that is very high quality and costs a lot of money, but is still a good like working man's tool that can really do the job and is still meant to be used, right? I mean, there are any amount of ornate things, be it mm-hmm. a car, an instrument, a gun, all different types of things that we, you know, yeah, you can go highly ornate or highly artistic. And you go, wow, I mean, this thing is such a work of art. I don't want to ruin it, right? I, I like to be somewhere in the middle. I like stuff that is rugged and capable and maybe a little custom, but can still hold its own as to be used as a tool. So like mm-hmm. in the firearms world, that's, I mean, I love the Robar stuff mm-hmm. because it's it's still its functional equivalent of what it started out as, but you've gotten some nice functional enhancements that you can still use it as a tool and not feel guilty, and it's just so capable. All right, so look, two two things. Sure. Uh, one on the row bar, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute, but you mentioned earlier about the safe full of cabots, all right? Yeah, you want to have a safe full of cabots and never shoot them? That's cool. If you want to have a safe full of cabots and shoot them to your heart's content, I don't care. Just don't bother me about it when you get a scuff on one and ask me some ridiculous question unless you want a real down-to-earth answer. You better have some thick skin. All right, now look, the other thing, all right, this is what kills me, all right? Folks will buy, like, Gen 3 Glocks, you know, with the old school, like, nitride antenna for finish, right? That literally, you can can take a piece of sandpaper, like, 40-grit sandpaper and go all day long, and you'll barely scratch that stuff, all right? It's super durable. All right, what kills me? There's always a limit, though. (laughs) There's always a limit, but what kills me is, like, folks will take these these good Gen 3 Glocks with these awesome antenna for finishes on them, and they'll have them like milled out and customized on stuff. And then what? What do you have to put on it? Cerakote, black nitride. It's an inferior finish to that original nitriding. Um, yeah, or black the, oxide. I'm sorry, ten- black oxide. Tenifer, those tenifer finishes, man, they yeah. hold up freaking great. But, and then look, look, folks will do that kind of stuff, <laughs> and then they'll wonder. Oh man, my finish is wearing off. I'm like, well, you wore through the original finish. That's what right. do you mean? Now you know. A few years back, two or three years ago, or maybe just sometime in the past, there was always like this this point where maybe I would be out in public, for instance, and have someone come up to me that recognizes me and wants to talk to me. And there for a while, it sometimes it used to kind of get on my nerves when people would, would come up and want to talk to me. But then I sort of ended up having a little bit of an epiphany about it. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, look, man, like this is my job. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the person's fault that they recognize me because they saw me on the internet and they want to come talk to me or whatever. Like, I've sort of had a much different approach to that. Mm-hmm. So now, like, I'll give somebody all the time they want. So, like, if someone wants to, you know, they want to take a picture or hang out or ask questions, I don't care, like, because that's my job. And I look at inquiries much in the same way. Like, yeah, okay, I can understand someone might ask a question or make a statement that you're like, I mean, come on, really? But... The only dumb question is the one you don't ask, and it's it's totally okay to be like, hey, what about this particular situation? But it's also on us as people to do a little bit of research and to kind of have a little bit of a preconceived notation going into something. So I understand where you're coming from. I totally get how how that can feel, but 
I think the way I've I've sort of approached it over these last few years, especially, is like it's my job, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like I'm the person that I am in terms of all of this. Like, I mean, these cameras, this room, this channel, the video you're watching. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Like, but I'm I'm there because of you. So like at the end of the day, if someone's got a question, I'll I'll try to answer as best I can. I mean, I don't always have an opportunity to answer every single inquiry. That's crazy because we get a ton of emails every day. And like my Instagram inbox is full of all kinds of stuff, but I do try to respond to people. And I think the way that I approach like the really dumb questions is I generally just don't answer. So the thing, so, I mean, <laughs> that, look, the thing though is like if, something, I, if somebody can clear something up with yes. a basic Google search, I ain't responding to look, that question. The, the basic thing here, like what I started with is I don't not answer questions. You know, I, I respond to as many people as I can because you just answer brutally, honestly, look, but look, <laughs> it's just everybody has them. All right. Maybe oh, super fans, if you want to call them that, whatever the case might be, but everybody who's in the public sphere has these people. But the thing is like when, when it's not just, it, it goes past the general inquiry and it gets to a point of like, Hey, I'm just text messaging my buddy and we're, we're messaging back and forth for an hour. Like that's not what I'm, I'm here for, you know? And like, it, it just comes to a certain point where I had to be honest with, with this person. I've had to do it in the past too. I'm like, hey, look, I try to be as nice as I can. But like, look, man, I, I'd love to just chat with you all the time, but I just, I simply can't. You know, if you got a legitimate question that you need answered, like some firearms problem or whatever that I can help you with, I will do everything in my ability to help you out. But I can't respond to your memes. I can't respond to you at all waking hours of the day for just, you know, general discussions about everything else that doesn't involve what we do on the channel. Um, if you have a canning question, like I'll answer that. I'll sure. answer questions. I will be there for people to, to ask questions to, and I will do my best to reply. But it comes to a point where it, it crosses a line, and you got to be like, hey, you know, I sorry, dude, like I got to let you go. Like well, I'm not trying to block people, but eh, don't like don't underestimate, right? Like it's it's probably a good idea to never underestimate the role that you might have in somebody's existence. I mean, and believe me, like, okay, think about it like this. I've reached out before on Instagram to like certain musicians to ask a question about something, be it a gear related question or something. And sometimes I get a response. And sometimes it's kind of cool to be like, well, you know what? That person took a little bit of time out of their day to respond to my inquiry. That's kind of cool. Right. Like, you know, this person's busy. There's some hotshot, whoever. And it's like they took a a minute to answer a question about gear, you know, and that's kind of cool. Or uh, let's say a person on Instagram that you might follow and maybe you respect this person a lot and you comment on their post about something. Hey, keep up the good work or, Mm -hmm. hey, um, that's awesome. I I like what you posted. And then they respond back. It does give you a little bit of um, of 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 kind of confirmation, right, that that people are listening. So I get that. And I understand what it's like to be on both ends of that of that situation where maybe someone asks a question and and you know believe me, just understand that you know there are a lot of people that ask questions. So yeah. if, if if you don't get a response to an email inquiry or a question on Instagram, don't think that like either of us are trying to ignore you or anything. It's just that we just literally have so much crap going on and. Also, I want to mention something in this uh, gun gripe as well, and it's kind of related to the safe queen thing a little bit, but 
it's more along the lines of where, all right, something in the 2A world will happen. Mm. All right, no matter what it might be, it could be, all right, usually it's something real negative. All right, something negative gets released in the news feed. And, and then someone goes on my most recent YouTube video and says, well, why aren't you making a video about this? You know, why don't we have a video about this right now? Like, blah, 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 right now. And they're so impatient, and they want you to jump the gun and immediately put out some piece of content related to whatever they saw, just so they can hear what you have to say about it. But here's the thing, though. I understand where they're coming from, but look, we have lives just like anyone else. I mean, like, sometimes it takes a little little bit of time to throw together a piece of content and get it out. And one of the reasons that we don't jump on those things immediately, like a lot of people tend to do, is that we want to let all the information come in and we want to get all the facts so that when we do decide to put out a piece of content related to the question at hand, hopefully the dust has settled a little bit and we can kind of get a little bit of an idea what's going on and be a little bit better informed. I don't think that's asking too much. Now, I got a question for you. Anyway. All right. So are you still like, do you send Joe Bonamassa memes every every day? <clears throat> no. All right. Do you uh, do you send him pictures of all your other gear? Like, check out all my other cool stuff. No. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 there is <laughs> but there is a level of comfort. It's like if, if Eric's some, making me the bad guy. No. no oh no. no. But like just that Chad, he's such that, a butthead. No, you're not a butthead. It's just I that like butthead. if someone gets that level of comfort comfort with you, where they feel like oh, okay, this person's cool. Yeah, I mean, I could understand they they want to you know share what they're doing with you. I mean, believe me, I get a lot of stuff like that too, uh-huh. where I'll be on random feeds and people send me stuff, and it's cool. And sometimes if I've got time, I'll respond. I'll jump in there and go, "Hey, that's cool." Like one of the most common questions I get all the time is someone will have some random old milsert and they'll contact me on Instagram and say, "Hey, can you help me identify this?" Mm-hmm. All right, look, yes. I would be happy to help you. And and look, I don't mind like, yeah, I've looked at photos before and I've said, yeah, this is what this is. Now, without seeing it in person, this is the best distinction I can make. And it is fun to have that pop up in my Instagram feed and I can go, ah, cool. That's that's neat. Yeah, I can help you. You know, and it feels yeah. good to help people, you know. And- I like, look, I like seeing that stuff pop up because it tells me that people are still finding cool stuff out there. That's you true. Know? So That's very true. Hey, maybe another safe queen. Hey. Yeah. Look, the thing is, man, like these mill serps are going to be coming or be, uh, you know, safe queens more and more in the future because, yeah. you know, they're only getting older, right? So when yeah. you track down like a K31 that's been sitting in like a dusty corner in some old shop, yeah, you know, that might be like 20 years down the line, like, oh, 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 oh. like <laughs> heavens open. <laughs> yeah. The heavens <laughs> open and the ethereal, you know, chorus begins. Well, right. All right, blow now the dust off of there's it. There's one other tiny thing about the safe queens that we have to discuss. All right, <laughs> oh, so boy, we discussed we legitimate safe queens. We discussed the daily driver Uh-oh. that's not a safe queen. All right. Are we talking about the illegitimate now, children? Now we have to discuss the safe queen that you think is a safe queen and it isn't. Right. And it, and, it might and, be a safe queen to that person. To that person. We have to respect that. Right. And and you're right. We do have to respect. And, and look, at the end of the day, remember what we said. Like, you do what makes you happy. It doesn't matter, right? You just do your thing. But I can't tell. And what made me think about this and what made me want to mention this was <laughs> when someone contacted me and said, hey, can you help me identify this milser? Mm-hmm. And it's had the stock cut oh, and the barrel's man. been chopped back and there's been a whole bunch of stuff done to it or someone has driven like tax into the stock and done some like 
little design with some tacks or maybe or some, some mijong tiles <laughs> or something, right? So, and then they go, well, well, how much is this valuable antique milsurp worth? And it's like, yeah, and you have to tell them, look, man, like, I know it's worth it. Like, as long as it has worth to you, like, that's cool. But that gun will never be like an all out, like straight up safe queen. So there is the perception that someone goes, well, it's a milsurp. It's valuable. Mm, you can go on gun broker and see that we can let's just agree to disagree there like not all of those situations are made equal right like there there are such thing as like a real cherry example of something that actually is worth real money and something that has been so far chopped up and so far gone that depending on what it is unless it was done by a very well-known and reputable gunsmith very very tastefully chances are the gun is probably worth considerably less than what it really is, what you think it's worth. And we can go on. I, I, you know, I don't want to get off on that tangent on this particular gun gripe, but I wanted this to be about safe Queens. And I know we dove into a few things, but those things are related uh, to the core, you know, discussion as in terms of how we, we came to be in this discussion. The only reason Eric's mentioning, you know, the Mijong tiles is because he has personal experience with Mijong tiles. Yeah. Embedded into the stocks of... Yeah. Well, yeah. well so this trapdoor that I bought some years ago <laughs> had this really rare cadet stock. And I'm talking... So the, oh the, the checkering on the stock is original. Yeah. And the, the stock alone, if the gun had the original action in it, it, it would be worth a small fortune, especially compared to what I... I only paid a few hundred bucks for it. Yeah. So it's not like I paid a lot for it. But the point is... You know, the the man put freaking Mijong tiles in the stock. Like, like inlaid them into the stock, yeah, like cut tile. Cut the stock you know, and yeah. put tiles in the stock. Now, <laughs> hey, that's his, his prerogative, mm-hmm. but you just took a $1,200 cadet stock but at the and time, turned it into firewood. Look, though, the thing is, and I've said it in the past, like, at the time. I mean, the, the gun's time, right there if you want to grab it. Uh, it's literally yeah. right behind you. At the time, though, you know, that was kind of maybe the thing to do. Yeah. You I know, mean, whatnot, but. unfortunately, this cadet stock has been ruined. Now, of course, someone like Mark Novak could probably take this rifle and and bring it back back to back to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But it's got a replacement barrel. So this one was rebarreled. But you know what? I like this gun. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It is cool. It's got character. It's got the tang sight on there. It shoots well. Mm-hmm. It's accurate. And you know what? At the end of the day... Who cares? This is the gun that you take out and shoot, and you leave your other trapdoor that's in pristine shape in the safe. Precisely. That's exactly Easy. it. But this is a cool gun, you know? Mm-hmm. But just one of those things. Look, beauty is in the eye beholder, right? And as such, so are safe queens. I mean, someone might take a gun, and they're like, man, I really love this rifle, and I don't want to mess it up. Hey, it's, it's completely okay to not want to ruin your stuff. I mean, we're not saying that you shouldn't protect your things. But I think that over time, as as you become a more mature and well-versed gun owner, I think in time you start to realize that, <laughs> you know, that they're tools. And over time, you kind of start giving a little bit less of a crap about getting a scratch or something. I mean, believe me, there's rifles that he and I have, especially ARs, they're covered in a in a cacophony of scratches. I mean, and like we my, don't care. My carry gun typically has like dust bunnies and scuffs and scrapes on it. Some of the polymer has started like wear off of the corners, and it's it's got like almost that look like you've sanded it a bit. 
and you have it ream that corner out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how much these guns get like chamber checked and everything like that. I mean, they are at the end of the day tools. All right, so now we gotta cue the elitist comments and like, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. So comment section on this video is gonna be quite a bit of fun. I it think. is gonna be interesting, I think, you know, but look, at the end of the day, I think it's it's always important to stay humble. Mm-hmm. And and that humbleness can come in the form of, okay, yeah, like, look, the guy that can afford to buy a Cabot made out of a meteorite probably has an alchemy, right? Mm-hmm. So alchemy is a sister company. I know we keep talking about Cabot a lot. Well, I mean, they're, look, they're, look, the cool Cabot guns. makes high-end stuff, yep. but they've also got their alchemy, which is like the kind of working man's version. Now, of course, they're like match grade, real nice. I mean, super great guns. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, the guy that owns a Cabot made out of meteorite probably owns an alchemy that he they takes shoot. out and shoots. Yep. So look, it's important to stay humble. And that means that understanding that you, it's probably a smart idea. I'm not saying anybody should be required or, 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 you know, you don't need to do anything you don't want to do. But I think in my life, the way I've tried to look at gun ownership is I have certain guns that are like my biker bitches, like the ones that I can, I can do what I want with that to that gun. And it don't matter. Right? Like, look, if I burn the freaking thing up or if I explode the gas system or if I melt the can off the end off it, which I've known to do, I throw a new barrel in that bad boy and we are good and we just move on with life, right? It's just like having that favorite car that you just take out and you just run the crap out of it. Maybe it's an off-road vehicle and you really, you, you get that thing in the mud and you do all kind of stuff with it. And look, you get back, you pressure wash it off, you clean it. Oh, crap. I broke this part. Guess what? You replace the dang part and you put the car back in use and you keep mm-hmm. using it, right? So it's important. I think it's an important exploration as a gun owner to realize that, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're going to not care about your gun getting scratched up and you're going to go, you know what? This gun's a tool, man. Like, it's made to be used. I'm not ever going to get rid of it. It's my rifle, right? Like, take a rifle and say, this is my rifle. There are many like it. This one is mine. Right. Like it's okay to just say, hey, this is my gun. And that's it. Like it's your tool. You take care of it. It's an extension of you. Take a few guns that you designate to that. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Do what Fred does. Go outside and go get it over. Push it over in the in the ground in the Mm -hmm. dirt and get a few scratches on it and move on with life. And you won't feel bad about it at all. I promise. Once it once she's got some scuffs, you'll be like all right, throw it in the truck. Let's go. You know, and, and that's all right. This has happened to us at the range before. Like, oh, yeah. guns will be leaned up against the bench or something. They'll slip over and just look over and go, eh. So you got to get to that point in your in your gun ownership. You know, uh, your I guess your um, your maturity as a gun owner. You got to get to the point where you know gun falls over or something. You go, eh, eh, whatever. Pick it up. Yeah. Go back and use it. Yeah, a scar with a Mark Eight on it takes a dip. And then you get behind the gun and go, wonder if it's still zeroed. And you go, pop, ding. ding. And it's like, I mean, they did hey, drop those that objects. That kind of instills a little bit of confidence in the gun mm-hmm. when you can beat up on her a little bit and you know it's going to still perform like you want it to perform. Now, and I if mean, anything, that instills confidence in me to know that my equipment can take a little bumper bruise and keep on chugging. Now, look, if I threw my high point carbine down with MC Star on top of it, I may have to, you know, confirm that zero again. But yeah. at that point, I might be out of adjustment. I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, but it is what it is. I mean, but I I think this gripe is, is, you know, kind of on point. You know, I know we we kind of got off into some other weeds a little bit, but I hope you guys can understand where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. I mean, all we're just trying to say is, I mean, look, Mm -hmm. do what you want at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You want to baby your guns, by all means, baby them. But understand that there's going to come a time 
I hope that doesn't come a time, but let's just say a time could come where you have to use your firearm as a tool. And guess what? Like the situation might dictate that you have to drop your gun or throw your gun down or do something that you would not characteristically do to your firearm. All right. What if first, uh, let's just use a fantasy situation, for instance. So let's just make up a hypothetical situation. All right. You're involved in a uh, legal shooting, for instance. Okay. Say that your life's in danger. You protect yourself, uh, whatever. The cops show up, drop the gun. What are you going to do? Oh, I can't scratch it. You're going to drop the dang gun. I mean, it's like, you know, as much as it sucks to, I mean, nobody wants to comply with what, but look, if dropping the gun and going, hey, I ain't the bad guy. I'm the victim of a crime here. If that means you not getting shot in the back, you know, we're programmed to go, my precious, let's not break it. But look, you need to you need to understand there might be a time where you got to throw your gun down, discard your gun. I mean, look at three gun shooters, yeah. right? When they put their gun in and the, discard their gun into the in the barrel and move on to the next stage, they have to be wired in terms of look. This is a tool. We ain't babying this thing. When we're done with this sucker, it's going in that barrel, and we don't care what we break when it goes in that barrel because we're going on the next thing. If it breaks, we'll replace it. That's how they think. And that's why the three-gun circuit does so much to help gun manufacturers understand what the limitations of their equipment is because those three-gunners go out there and they run the crap out of stuff and throw it around, and that helps them kind of go, now, hey, what's going now on? Now, look, uh, officer, I can't drop this gun. It's not drop safe. <laughs> yeah. I can't promise what's going to happen here. This, like, you this don't, is a big P365 now. I don't. <laughs> hey, this is my early, P11. Look out. Ah! <laughs> an, early, an early one. Oh, boy. Boy. <laughs> Oh, the comment section is going to be lit now. <laughs> Woo! I mean, Lordy. sorry, officer, this is an M17. I don't think that's safe for you or any of us. <laughs> now, they fix all that, but you understand what I'm getting at. Lordy. You, 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 should, you should understand that in, in, in there are situations that could come about where, you know, you're, you're gonna, you might do something that's uncharacteristic of gun handling, and all right, but, let's hope it doesn't ever come yeah. to it. But So, so look, keep though, in mind. at the end of the day, look, people... <laughs> y'all do you i mean we always say it like yeah. we just you got to have a little bit of thick skin though we like poking fun but we can be poked fun at too but oh believe know, at, me. at the end of the day though i mean you do what you want to with your guns but don't bother me about it <laughs> <laughs> well look uh, i hope everybody has a great day thanks for tuning in today um so uh, I think this gripe was pretty cool it was fun yeah it was fun and let me know what you think of uh this type of um you know, type of a setting. Uh, it's a little bit different than the way we typically do the gripe. So let us know if you like this concept, if you want us to do more like this and, uh, and everything. So big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You guys are amazing for supporting what we do. Also go over to Ballistic Inc. and pick yourself up a snazzy new t-shirt. And remember, don't forget to check out our podcast, LLP, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. We post every Saturday on the channel and also on all of your various podcast servers. And remember, please leave us a great rating that helps us show up a little bit higher in the search results and everything like that. So uh, let us know what you think about the podcast. Pick yourself up a t-shirt. Uh, that's one way you can support us. And y'all have a good one. Take care. Anything else? No, man. See you guys later. Later. Later.